All right, we'll stop with we will stop with uh, with Joe Biden. It's just that he doesn't talk to anybody in his family, and his whole family is involved in the family business, <laughs> and the family business is influence peddling in China and Russia and Ukraine. But I got my great friend Robert uh, O'Brien here, just in the nick of time. He's a former national security advisor in the Trump administration. He's chairman of the American Global Strategies. He's a great pal. So, Robert, you're out there someplace, huh? Hey, wonderful to be with you. I just got back to California. I've been on the road all week, and uh, but it's, it's good to be back in sunny Southern, Southern California. Did you say you were campaigning on the road all week? I, I was. I, uh, I did a couple of things. I was out in Oklahoma for our good friend uh, Alex Gray, who's running for Senate and is starting to pick up in the polls and is the only Trump candidate running for Senate in Oklahoma. Wow. And uh, ter- terrific young American first candidate uh, with great foreign policy experience, which we, we sure need in the Senate right now as we face all these crises around the world. And then uh, last night I was with Young Kim, our uh, congresswoman from Orange County, California, for one of the first Korean-American women in Congress, Republican. And she's just terrific. And, you know, the crowds that are turning out, it's unbelievable, Larry. It's it's uh, the most diverse crowds I've ever seen in a, in a Republican uh primary and uh, Republican race, I mean, Hispanics and women and African-Americans and Asians, and people are so fed up over the, the, the price of gas and the loss of our energy independence and, and inflation, and it, it, it's pretty amazing to see out and when you, when you, get, you get out with the folks and uh, outside of the big cities. You know what I say, the cavalry is coming. The cavalry is coming. Hundred <laughs> percent. The, the revolt against Biden's left-wing progressivism is showing up in a, all across the country, even in crazy California. That's what you're saying. Well, yeah, I, I'm saying it. The other thing is, they talk about your monologues on your your four o'clock uh, <laughs> show on, on on Fox Business. People people say Larry Larry has raised such a nice guy, and he's he's really mad. He's really mad about what's going on. I am. And uh, people people are talking about your show. So you're 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 leading the charge. You're the uh, well, you're leading the cavalry. You're you're, you're on the bugle. <laughs> John Katsimatidis, who owns the station, has got a Rin Tin Tin bugle call for me now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Mr. O'Brien, let's talk some foreign policy. Um, Winning in Ukraine. Uh, This is something I heard from Gary Kasparov, the Russian grandmaster and human rights advocate. But also, surprisingly, uh, Robert, I heard it uh, from a a good op-ed piece in this week's New York Post from... um, uh, a, Dem- a Democrat, uh, Wes Clark, former general, retired general, he ran for president as a Democrat. But Wes Clark made, it interested me because he's a military man, kind of made the same case that Kasparov made. Uh, and, we, you know, we had Bill Barr on, too, and Barr agreed. If, if we supply all the necessary weapons, the Ukrainians could actually repel the Russians. All right. They whooped well, them in, in Kiev. Absolutely. And so, but follow this. What, and then the next step is Putin will be removed in Russia. All right, you want regime change? Win in the Ukraine. That's the point that these guys are making. And I wanted to get your take on that. And then the final thought, Robert, is if all those pieces fell into place, it sends the strongest possible message to China don't mess with us, don't mess with Taiwan, but don't mess with the U.S. So, what do you think about all that? Well, listen, the lodestar for us when it comes to foreign policy uh, is, is Ronald Reagan. You, you worked for him. I worked for him as a young intern. 
And, and remember what Reagan a- answered when they asked him, how does the Cold War end? Yes. We win, they lose. That's it. And, and that's what we've got to do in Ukraine. And, and it's interesting to, to see the Democrats, the progressives, Michael McFaul, the former ambassador to Russia, who's a big Obama progressive professor up at Stanford. He's been calling for, for full sanctions on, on uh, Russia. In fact, uh, he, he claimed, I, I said, the, the first people to call for full sanctions on Russia, oil and gas, central bank, were Larry Kudlow and I on Kudlow's show two months ago. Yeah. And he said, no, I called for him then, too. And so, so the, the Democrats are coming late to the game. Uh, I did a fundraiser in one of those politics makes strange bedfellows uh, for, for humanitarian relief in, in Ukraine and Washington on Wednesday with Sean Penn, uh, actor, oh my uh, God. buddy of ours, who, who's a uh, progressive and uh, oh my God. Uh, very progressive. But he, he wants the MIGs in, in Ukraine. Yeah. And we, yeah. and we should have got and we should have gotten the MIGs in U, to Ukraine. I mean, Gina Haspel, who worked with with you and me in the Trump administration mm-hmm. as our director of the CIA, Gina would have had those MIGs with with yellow and blue flags painted on them. She would have gotten them to Ukraine through a Russian arms dealer to make sure that Putin got his 10 percent. And the Ukrainians would be enforcing their own no-fly zone with Ukrainian pilots over Ukraine instead of having their their railroads bombed and their people killed, their their innocent civilians killed by these Russian, you know, barbarians. So, so you're 100 percent right. And I and I think what's happened is Democrats or even liberal Democrats are starting to see the weakness of American foreign policy and realizing that peace through strength works. And, and to your last point, you know who's watching this conflict in Ukraine more than anybody in the whole world? Our friend Xi Jinping. Mm-hmm. Because he wants to invade Taiwan, mm-hmm. and now he's seen the, he's seen how hard it is uh, to invade an advanced industrial country, and he's seen you know the, the support the Ukrainians are getting around the world. He does not want the Chinese economy shut off with massive sanctions, and, and he doesn't want to see all his, his PLA Navy ships destroyed in the in the Strait of Taiwan. So we need to get t- the Taiwanese the weapons they need now. We can't wait like we did with Ukraine until the war started to try and and get them the weapons they need. We need to get them to Taiwan now so that Taiwan can deter them. And then we also need to tell the Chinese no half-measure sanctions like we've done on, on Russia. Uh, we're going to have full full sanctions if you come after Taiwan. And the last point I'll make, and, and you and I were involved in this in the Trump administration, thank goodness we got them those Javelin missiles because it's amazing that those American ja- American-made, manufactured here in the USA, uh, American-made Javelin missiles, thwarted the Soviet armor invasion of Ukraine, and that was thanks to Donald J. Trump and his administration, and, and, and you and I were part of trying to break the logjam to, to get those missiles to, uh, to the Ukrainians, and that's what saved Kiev and Kharkiv and, and Odessa in the, in, the, in the first instance. So a lot, lot there to unpack, but, but great question, Larry. No, it's, it's key. I mean, I'm kind of stunned. Well, two parts here. One is, why haven't the MiGs been delivered? That to me is it's still going. That debate is still going on, and and secondly, in your judgment, the Biden administration want the Ukrainians to win. Do they understand the implications for Putin for China, and um, and or do they want a standoff, Robert O'Brien? They still worried about intimidating Vladimir Putin at this stage of the game. They've never come out and really called for a Ukrainian victory. And, you know, we could we could get rid of we could save Ukraine, get rid of Putin, send the message you're describing to Xi in China without a single American boot on the ground. I mean, it can't be. And what could what what could be better than that? 
And yet, Isn't it great that the Ukrainians are just asking for the weapons? They're not asking for American troops. They just right. want the tools so they can defend themselves Yes. and, and win this war, and, and we're not giving it to them. And, uh, no, look, I think this, this concern of the White House that they don't want to provoke Putin, Putin read that. Uh, he, it goes all the way back to 2014 in the Obama administration when he took Crimea from Ukraine. And the Obama folks said there will be heavy sanctions, and there weren't heavy sanctions. There was a slap on the wrist. And then the same thing happened this time. So we, as I always said, and I drove my, my staff nuts talking about this almost every week when we had our senior directors of the National Security Council together, weakness in international affairs is provocative, and the perception of weakness is provocative. Peace through strength works and, and keeps America safe. And the problem is is that, is that these guys are so afraid of Putin and, and escalating uh, you got to stand up to a bully once in a while. And the way to stand up to the bully here is full sanctions, as, as you called for, Larry. You were one of the very first on your show. Full sanctions on the Russian Federation Central Bank, not excluding oil and gas transactions, because the only thing Russia sells is oil and gas. So if you exclude oil and gas sales, there are no sanctions on the Russian, Federal, Russian Federation Central Bank. Kick them off swift for oil and gas, and then give them the, the tools they need uh, to fight. Let's be the arsenal of democracy again. We don't need to send American pilots into a no-fly zone. Just give the Ukrainian pilots the planes they need to, to defend their own country. And, and, and they want to fly the planes over Ukraine. They don't even want to fly them over Russia. So, you know, the, the Russians didn't worry when they gave MiGs to the North Koreans and the North Vietnamese when they were shooting down American pilots like John McCain and others in Vietnam and in Korea. Uh, that didn't lead to a nuclear war. You know, we've got to stand up to this guy. We've got to stop being afraid. And, and, and our weak, the problem is our weakness now, or, or at least the perception of weakness, is what's provoking Putin. It's not strength that's provoking Putin. It's, it's his perception of our weakness. Well, absolutely, 100%. 100%. Robert, uh, i got to take a commercial break. Will you stay right where you are? Absolutely. On, on whatever phone line we finally got you on. and I'm, we'll I'm here right. for you. We're talking to Robert O'Brien, who was former national security advisor under President Trump. He is currently chairman of American Global Strategies. He is a dear friend and a very knowledgeable man. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the oil situation, and I want to talk more about peace through strength. Why hasn't President Biden made a clear statement that we want the Ukrainians to win and that that will get rid of Vladimir Putin. We'll be right back after this brief message. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here talking to Robert O'Brien, who's former national security advisor in the Trump administration, currently chairman of American Global Strategies. Robert, the um, Biden's talked about putting sanctions, ending Russian uh, oil imports to the U.S. But here's the thing. The sanctions don't go into place until June 24th, which is three months. Now, that to me is em emblematic of their fright of Vladimir Putin, because I think they think by the end of June this game would be over and the Russians will have won. And that they, you know, this is the standoff scenario, not the victory scenario. June 24th. So now some valiant Republicans in the Senate are trying to change that. And they might even have some help from some Democrats, a couple of conservative and moderate Democrats. But I, again, I come back to this point. Does Biden want to, A, 
see the Ukrainians win and B, really get rid of Putin? And what's he waiting for? Well, look, the, the, the invasion was a sea change for these uh, guys. And, and what, what they tried to do was appease Putin. And mm. Putin had two foreign policy objectives when we were in office, Larry. Number one, he wanted a clean extension of the New START nuclear treaty. Uh, and he, he wanted to make sure that, uh, that we stayed in that treaty and that he could continue to build non-New START compliant nuclear weapons, which we weren't building, and build this massive arsenal of tactical nuclear weapons. And we called him on it. President Trump said, no way. You want us to stay in this treaty, you've got to stop building the tactical nukes. And we had that deal you know, basically negotiated. And then President Biden came into office and he said, you know what? I want great relations with Russia, so we're going to give you a clean extension of New START. You don't have to do anything. You can keep building as many tactical nukes as you want. And, uh, and, and so Putin put that in his pocket. And then Putin's second foreign policy objective was to get the Nord Stream 2 pipeline completed so he could have total energy dominance over, over Central Europe and Germany, and, and that Germany wouldn't be able to do anything without his approval because he could shut off their lights at any, any time of the day, day or night, 24-7, 365. And, and we had stopped Nord Stream 2 with massive sanctions, but also working with our allies like Denmark, because they had to go through Denmark's waters to, to lay the pipeline, and Denmark had helped us stop Nord Stream 2. All the Europeans, including most of the Germans, are against Nord Stream 2. It was only the German industrial elite that were for Nord Stream 2. So we appeased Putin with Nord Stream 2, and we thought that we'd build goodwill, or at least the, the Biden administration thought, well, if we give Putin what he wants, then he'll be nice to us and we can get along with him. Well, what did he do in turn? He put 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border and demanded further concessions. And then when he didn't get them, he invaded. So we have to learn a lesson from this. You can't appease Putin. And, and, and the sanctions are just one more form of appeasement. These half-measure sanctions hmm. that you and I have been criticizing for months don't, don't help. They actually harm him. And so when we talk about victory, I, I look at Michael McFaul, again, Obama's ambassador to Russia. Gary Kasparov, lefty, uh, Sean Penn, mm -hmm. uh, progressive actor. These guys are all calling for what we're calling for. They're calling for a peace through strength approach because they want to see the Ukrainians defeat the Russians and save their country. And we've got to get on you know, the, the administration has to get on that bandwagon. And they don't. I mean, you know, it's sort of like you get the impression Biden is shifting, but it's like pulling teeth. And it's always he's always like um, he's always three steps behind where he ought to be, or five steps behind where he it's, ought it's to be. It's a couple of weeks behind. <laughs> yeah, that's right, a couple of weeks behind. And the um, you know the point um, the point that uh, that Wes Clark was making, General Clark was making, is that the 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 key confrontation is right now in Eastern Ukraine, right now. The, the next couple of weeks is how Wes Clark put it in this editorial that he wrote. And oh, and General Clark is right. He's right. General Clark's yeah. right there. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted to get at. I mean, do the Bidens understand the urgency of the situation? You know, look, they, they understand the urgency. They're getting great intelligence, and uh, the American intelligence community and our, our uh, military understands what's happening out there. And, and uh, so they're getting it. But, again, it's this, it's this concern about provoking Putin. Yeah. If we give them the MiGs, it'll pro provoke Putin. You know, fortunately, we've got others. Uh, Boris Johnson, uh, Prime Minister Johnson from the U.K., is really leading on this. And he sent some highly – some, some missiles to the uh, – anti-aircraft missiles to the Ukrainians that are more advanced than our Stingers. Uh, and, um, and they're taking out uh, Russian helicopters. And so 
So others are getting it. Uh, the, the Czechs uh, and the Slovaks have sent them uh, uh, S-300 uh, anti-aircraft systems. So, so some of the, you know, our friends and allies understand that the critical nature of, of what's going on and the timing. But, but like America, Winston Churchill once said, America always does the right thing, but only after it's exhausted every other option. <laughs> and we're seeing that a little bit with the Biden administration. We, but we need to move now. Uh, and we can't worry about the, you know, provoking Putin by providing the arms that Ukraine needs to defend itself. Look, we're not providing arms to Ukraine to invade Russia. We're providing arms to Ukraine to defend its own territory right. and defend its own people who are being right. massacred. Big difference there, and uh, and we need to understand that difference. Um, Robert O'Brien, last points. Uh, what's happening with the Iranian stuff? I mean, the Bidens just seem hell-bent for leather to get a deal with Iran, which is utter insanity, as we've discussed before. Um, but then... It seems like it's gotten bogged down in some issues, um, including Russian sanctions, including inspections uh, from the U.N. What can you tell us about the Iranian story? Well, it's hard to know that the negotiations are taking place behind closed doors. Uh, we know that the, uh, the Biden administration and the Democrats have wanted to restore the JCPOA, the, the terrible Iran nuclear deal. Uh, from day one, I mean, it's a legacy. Of, they they want to do it as a gift to President Obama, uh, because that they believe that was his great foreign policy accomplishment, and that accomplishment led to what, Larry? We we gave Iran 150 billion dollars in sanctions relief, and the story that we were told at the time by by Sec then Secretary of State John Kerry, who is back in office as the climate czar now, is that the the Iranians are going to use that money for the Iranian middle class. They're going to alleviate poverty in Iran. Iran's going to become a, quote, responsible stakeholder, close quote, in the Middle East and help bring peace to the Middle East. What did the Iranians actually do with the money? They gave it to the Houthis in Yemen for a civil war. They gave it to Khatib Hezbollah in Iraq, which used the, the money to, to pay for missiles to bomb American facilities, including our embassy. They gave it to Hezbollah in Lebanon, which has destroyed one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And they gave it to Hamas in, in, in Gaza to attack the Israelis and build tunnels into Israel to, to launch terrorist attacks into Israel. That's where all the money went. And now we're going to do the whole thing again. And, and the, the crazy thing is, while the Russians are invading Ukraine, and, and the president is calling, rightly, calling Vladimir Putin a war criminal, we're using the Russian ambassador in Vienna to negotiate with the Iranians. Hmm. I mean, it's, it, it's the darndest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever seen anything like this ever in international politics. It's crazy. You know, I was reading, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but the inspection guy, uh, I guess it's a U.N. agency, but he's not playing along with this, that he went in and said, no, they're not, uh, we, I, they're not making any deals that will allow us inspection of potential nuclear weapons and the buildup uh, of uranium and so forth. Um, and I was just interested whether that had any teeth to it. This guy seems to you know, have stopped them out, and they, they couldn't get around them. So, so Larry, when the EU and the UN are, are, are saying that the deal is a bad deal, you know it must be a real bad deal. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. Here's, here's the problem with appeasement, whether it's appeasing the Russians or appeasing the Iranians. Appeasement is always, and, and has been, we, we go back, back to the the Munich days, and, and I don't like overwrought Munich analogies, but, but they're both, it's applicable here with both Iran and with Russia. 
in a democracy, appeasement is always initially popular because people want to pass the bitter cup. They don't want the confrontation. They don't want to have to spend money on, on the military and, and rebuild the military. They'd rather spend it on on social programs. They don't want the likelihood of confrontation or the possibility of confrontation. And so you pass the bitter cup. The problem, though, is when you eventually have to drink it, the dregs are far more bitter because, and the, the deferred pain is far worse for the country because you didn't deal with a problem like Iran or this problem in Ukraine at the outset. So, so while appeasement is initially popular and, and, and the left loves appeasement, it's always worse for the country down the road. And we have to stop appeasing Iran. We have to stop appeasing Russia. And, and most importantly, for our way of life and our liberty, we have to stop appeasing China. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's inconceivable to me that an Iran deal can come out of this, particularly with the backdrop of what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, this is the collapse of Biden foreign policy. That's the way I look at it. And I'm glad there's a collapse of it. Anyway, Robert O'Brien, uh, former National Security Advisor to Donald Trump. Thank you, Robert. Uh, we'll talk soon. We've got to get you back on the TV show as well. 